You're about to listen to an episode of Legally Fonds. This episode is brought to you in association with LawSchool.ie. LawSchool.ie is Ireland's leading provider of tuition for the FE1 or King's Inns entrance exams. Each course is delivered live online with a specific exam focus and supported by the latest manuals. Shorter, pre-recorded workshops are also available and courses commence every year in June and November. Register anytime at lawschool.ie and for a 10% discount on any course, just use the discount code LEGALLYFOND. What is the purpose of our podcast? What's in our mission statement? You know, what do we really care about? Explaining the law in simple terms to people who don't study law. Uh, to simple people. Explaining simple the law in simple people. terms to simple people. <laughs> Basically, well, I, let me paint what? a picture for those simple people. No, 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 I'm no, no, looking no. outside my window Hang and I see a, a big, beautiful oh. ditch. That's <laughs> a gorgeous, beautiful ditch. And my next door neighbor, the... he's going to pay for it. Our mission is to make law as accessible as possible for people, to explain it in simple terms. Now, some of the stuff we try to explain kind of makes sense. I feel like this is definitely something that somebody just wouldn't expect. It's like, oh, yeah, if you just go on a piece of land. 12 years and stay there without anybody else kicking you off it's yours like you own it legally and you know you're entitled to everything about it welcome to legally fond episode 9 get off my lawn episode we look at the law around adverse possession although you might know it as squatters rights pierce the case we're looking at this week is dunn versus erin road erin what do we know about this case it concerns a particular piece of land by the clondalkin train station it's a triangular piece of land and it's described as significant whatever that means i presume it means it's a fairly sizable piece of land and in this case mr dunn decides to put in a claim for adverse possession of this piece of land and we'll get into detail as to what that exactly means later in the episode but essentially he's trying to say i own this land and not irish rail so what is adverse possession it's the idea that if you exclusively possess land that isn't yours that you don't have the legal title for but you manage to do it for 12 years use the land in some way and exclude other people from using it all the while you don't own the land then you can apply to a court to be given legal title to the land. You can become a legal owner of the land. Now, if you've never heard of the concept of adverse possession or squatter's rights, it might come as a big surprise to you. What do you guys think of the rationale for this? I think it's good, I suppose, in the sense that it kind of um, puts a bit of pressure on landowner, uh, landowners to use their, their land and their property in a productive manner. Uh, and to not let it sit there idly because of course land is a is a finite fixed resource you know we only have so much of it and we're seeing now particularly in urban areas the pressure um the pressure to provide more residential land the uh constant spiraling prices of uh of 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 houses and increasing rent prices so i think land is something that you know it's a very central part of the economy and it encourages people to actually productively use their land uh, to take an active interest in the maintenance of their land otherwise you might have some cheeky fella come along and decide actually this place is mine it's very much a relic of a time gone by 
as a lot of what we talk about on this podcast is sometimes. But, you know, most of the disputes don't come up in urban areas. They'll come up in rural areas. It'll be boundary disputes or that kind of thing. As Pierce said, it's an efficiency thing of, well, it means that you have to use your land or take care of it or even acknowledge that you own it. It's not like the burden on the land owner is very low here. Like all you have to do is show up one day and say, get off and the clock has started again. You don't even have to go to any effort really. So the phrase that the court uses is animus possidendi. I know we don't like using Latin on this podcast. It basically means that you have the mindset that the landowner would have. So if you are the squatter, for want of a better phrase, that you act as though you own the land, that you use it exclusively, that you do something with the land. And if you occupy it for a period of 12 years, you can then acquire the title to the land. It's trespass until 12 o'clock on the 11th year and the 364th day. Which in itself like, is so it is... arbitrary and ridiculous, isn't it? 12 years? Yeah, it is a little bit. Like, he wants to make it really efficient. Like, you know, just lower the time limit. Like, if you want to say, well, you know, use it or lose it kind of thing. I don't own any land as well. Like, so that's kind of, I guess, puts my, uh, you know, I think my bias here probably lean towards, uh, you know, the squatter rather than the landowner. Well, land is a form of property. And maybe to make an analogy, if you, Alex, could think of something that you haven't used in years and years, but you still have, I don't know, it could be like a, a Game Boy, Nintendo DS or something like that. Admittedly, it's not the best example, but what if somebody else was to take that away from you because they were using it in the background behind your back for the last 12 years? Ah, it's very different to that. Like, it's unique in the nature of the property. Many wars have been fought for a scrap of grass. Like, it's not not quite the same as, I don't know, my laptop or the microphone that I'm recording this on. It's just like, does the inherent value of land mean that it should be protected more than... Anything else since you're going to protect itself from this sort of doctrine? I, I don't know. I, I was actually going to raise the point of, or raise the question rather, of whether you think that this was kind of intended more for rural plots of land or urban plots of land. Because, you know, I, I guess there are individuals um, or companies who own multiple quite large buildings and probably don't do a lot with them. Uh, and it could be very feasible that individuals, particularly considering um, the amount of people who unfortunately in Ireland don't have homes, would seek shelter in these properties uh, and, 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 you know, could, could go for incredibly long stretches of time without being, shall we say, interrupted by the, the legal owner. Um, or do you think it's more, was traditionally tailored towards kind of, fields that were left to fallow indefinitely and that the industrious next door neighbor farmer decided actually i'm going to use that one to graze my horses or rare cattle on or whatever the case may be yeah well i think people often hear this and they think oh great that this is a way to counter homelessness and the crisis in housing in the country when you know in practical terms it really isn't and i think there are two main kind of categories when adverse possession disputes occur As you pointed out, Pierce, in very rural areas where people don't know exactly where their land starts and finishes, exactly where their boundaries are to their land, and in situations where people have maybe inherited land, 
and aren't aware of the extent of the land that they've inherited that their next door neighbor uses part of their land and um they aren't even aware that their land is being used and then there's situations i think in urban areas where people's gardens overlap where there's no proper fence or boundary between gardens and there's some kind of boundary dispute about who owns what do you have to exclusively possess the entirety of the property or the plot of land or can you conveniently cut off a bit of a corner and say well this is mine now you can cut off a bit of a corner it's like that's where a lot of the kind of boundary disputes arise i think that that's this hedgerow was moved or etc 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 and that kind of ended up you know being used by me more often and that's uh well as i said you know this isn't a cure for bad housing policy does it really fix many problems in the modern world? Probably not. It's almost an issue of fairness of, oh, well, I've been taking care of this land for 12 years. You can, whether it's by grazing cattle or putting up fencing or taking care, you know, mowing the grass, plant some flowers, all that kind of stuff. Once that's happened and it's been happening for so long, then yeah, you could say, well, you should, like you should own it. You can't just be, you know, take it off you because in a sense you've provided consideration you've provided care for that scrap of muck. Well, I think, I mean, land is a very, I think, historically and culturally sensitive topic, not only in Ireland, but all over the world. It is probably one of the greatest socioeconomic issues that has presented itself through, you know, through modernizing uh, states. And, uh, you know, it, it, it's, it's in everything. I think it's, uh, we, there's an obsession about ownership of land and the, the structures that exist around management of land and whether that should be collective or a group of private individuals or whatever. But um, I think because in a, in a uh, I guess it's a uniquely Irish thing uh, as well as an English thing, the, the concept of adverse possession, uh, particularly in a post-colonial society like Ireland, where obviously as the, the uh, subjugated tenant class, we really want to be able to to, to plant our name on a piece of land and say, that's mine, erect a wall, erect a, a ditch or a fence and say, you know, take pride in it and really feel that you have a firm grip on your homestead. Well, that's an interesting point of view. The foundations of the law really were in property. There's a, a famous quote from a legal philosopher called Jeremy Bentham, who said, before law, there was no property and before property, there was no law. So law created the idea that you could protect assets that you own, you could prevent other people from using assets that you own, whether it's a piece of land, whether it's the laptop that you're currently listening to this podcast on. And as a result, our societies and our economies have been based around property rights, the idea that you can acquire private property, that you can protect your own private property, that law enforcement will protect anybody else from using, abusing, exploiting your private property, and that we have strong enforcement of contracts so that if you make an agreement with somebody else for them to use your property and they misuse it, that you can sue them. So these property rights are really fundamental to how our society works. And if you look at developing countries in general, they have a weak rule of law and have weaker property rights. So in light of all this, do you think adverse possession is an affront to these fundamental property rights? I think they do, but you can forfeit your rights to an extent. And now it's not a dereliction tax. It's not doesn't fix a lot of the problems associated with basically land hoarding. But what it does do is provide legal protection for some, like if you've been using the land for 30 years 
and suddenly someone comes along, kicks you off. There's a very, you know, you're essentially left with nothing. Like if you don't have any other assets, you know, if you're farming that land, that but can be, you know, you very, very difficult to it in the first place. If it belonged to well, the thing else. is, you're not until the you're not until the twelfth year. But it's I guess with great power comes great responsibility. If you have the land, you have a, a responsibility to take care of it or use it. You can't just let it sit there. As Beer said, it's a finite resource. This isn't uh, you know something that you can just make more of. Well, the Dutch have, but like you know, you can't just magic it out of nowhere. Now, I think we all agree that 12 years is a pretty arbitrary time period. Why isn't it 10 years? Why isn't it 8 years, 6 years, etc.? Well, it obviously has to be sufficiently long. Otherwise, it wouldn't be fair if people, you know, temporarily vacated their land and turned up only to find that their land was now possessed by somebody else. But should we not move away from this length of time test and look more towards... I guess, the effort that you've put into the land, the use that you've made of the land, whether your use of the land is socially, economically, environmentally friendly. So you have to have exclusive possession of the land and, you know, intend to possess the land. It was it animus possidendi, I think is the Latin phrase that's used. The danger with that is then, you know, how much you use the land then starts to choose the time period. Like it gets, I don't know, I'd be you know, nervous leaving my house. Like, I don't do that much with it. Like, but it's... It, and the 12 years may be arbitrary, but it works. And that's an interesting point you make, Gavin, or interesting suggestion that you should judge judge the possession based on the merits of the activity that is being performed in it. But it, some of them, you know, it's kind of hard to quantify the social benefit from certain farming activities. I mean, obviously, yeah, you're you know, you, you might be producing food or something like that, and, and, and that's good. But if a person's livelihood is dependent on that, does that come into it as well? But what if you're you're breeding horses then, for an example? You're not actually getting food out of horses, but you might be breeding them for racing purposes, or they might be work horses, maybe if it was 50 years ago or something like that. Is that any less valuable because you're not getting a tangible product from the activities that are being that are taking place in the land? I think it it opens up a whole other issue of law that is very very hard to to actually firmly say well this is a good activity this is a bad activity this is one that succeeds in adverse possession this one doesn't yeah i understand like in a sense that kind of it shows the effort uh that you put in but i i think though the current authority almost deals with that like if you continuously possess land for 12 years you're going to be putting some sort of effort into it i think that time limit kind of it can't, you know, quantify monetarily the effort you've put into the land or the errors or of, la- of labor you've put in. Owning land requires some sort of work regardless of how much you put into it. And that kind of 12-year threshold as well, this is the point where you've put enough effort in. It's not simply a measure of time, but it's also kind of a... It signifies commitment. You know, except- yes. I mean, is there, any, is, is there any other example of other areas of law in Ireland, whereby effort is rewarded to such an extent that although you're doing something that is not necessarily illegal, I suppose, but not not legal or you're not entitled to do or you're putting... But it is illegal. It's trespass. Well, then it is illegal. Is there is there any other example in Irish law whereby if you do something illegally, but if you do it long enough and well enough, you actually get rewarded in the end? Drug I think we should put that question. You make a fortune. <laughs> 
I, you could um, say being in politics, there, I suppose, would, would be one as well. <laughs> well, there is a kind of similar example in property law that is the idea of estoppel. So if somebody makes a promise to you that you're going to inherit a piece of land and you do something to your detriment to show that you've relied on that promise, so maybe work on the land without payment for many years, and then the person dies and doesn't leave the land to you, well, then you're able to go into court and say, I'm entitled to that land. I worked for X number of years without pay, and I was promised on repeated occasions that I was going to get this land. I think that's absolutely fair. I mean, because... um... Obviously, you're saying it's to your detriment. So you're putting up some kind of collateral almost or you're offering consideration to an extent. There were some interesting ones, kind of real, you know, old school Irish ones of, oh, he has to marry a Catholic girl from the village next door and then live in the house with her for 20 years or something like that. Like I've said this already, that land plays a huge part in Irish culture and uh, an Irish society. And I think there's nothing better than talking about land. Fellas love to talk about land and what they've purchased and what they own and who's, you know, who, who that field over there in the corner belongs and who it used to belong to. And uh, I think, you know, we see it in our literature. We see it in John B. Keane's The Field. You know, there's a fella literally bathed to death with a shillelagh over a field. And it's a fine field. And like the Bull McCabe says, God made the world but seaweed made that field. Hard graft, back-breaking labour. You know, big calloused hands shifting rocks and stones from that ground to make it good, agrarian, farmable land. You know, there's an immense pride. And I think when you hear the bull talk about the land and talk about that field, you know, his sacrifices, what he's given up, it stirs something in you. There's an immense pride there. You know, there's an there, there's a... There's an emotion attached to it. It's it's incredible. Well, welcome back to reality. I'm sorry to take you out of that momentary hypnotic trance that Pierce put you into, quoting John B. Keane. Pierce cares about property rights as much as I care about freedom of speech. I think that was, that rivaled my uh, little outburst on one of the other episodes. Well, it's in my blood. Do you know? Ah, um, uh, here we go. Uh, yeah, I'm... I'm I... <laughs> I will... I'd say you protect your road for understanding carry, you know, like... It's the last stand or something. Well, I mean, it, you know, you, you mentioned the Dutch earlier. And if you go onto the continent and if you're driving through Belgium or through the Netherlands or through Denmark, where they have these big, huge uh, fields, you know, they have uh, m- massive industrialized farming. There are no hedges. There yeah. are no ditches. There aren't any dikes. There are no boundaries. It's, it's a very, very uniquely Irish thing to divide fields and to assert a claim over it by erecting a wall or a fence, a boundary. It's, you know, it is a physical statement that says, this is mine, keep out. That sounds almost uh, don't tread on me kind of ish. But yeah, no, I understand what you mean. It's a very... Um, Guys, and... they have private property rights in European countries. They're not but so the adverse they, possession... they have private property rights. They just don't have hedges or they don't have ditches. That's <laughs> all I'm saying. <laughs> Piers, I, I never thought that... I'd hear you arguing the environmentalist stance. Yeah, God. Listen, I mean, I don't think that Europe is some kind of communist paradise where there's no such thing as... I'm sure walls exist in some capacity in these places, but they don't have the obsession with saying, this is mine, that's it. yours. <laughs> So we've talked about private property rights. We've talked about squatters' rights. Do you have a right not to use your land? 
if you so wish. There is. There is a right to do nothing with the land that you own for 11 years and 364 days. Sometimes doing nothing with the land might be far more environmentally friendly than, let's say, allowing fracking to take place on the land. You might actively be doing a disservice to the people who live in a particular area by exploiting the economic potential of your land. So sometimes just leaving it and not doing anything with it is quite a a good thing to do. Pierce, if you found oil just outside your window, would you frack for it? No, 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 not at all. I, I live in a you I wouldn't. live in a beautiful part of the country. I respect my neighbours. I would not disrespect not only them but also Mother Earth herself by defiling this incredible corner of Southwest Ireland. With Pierce, I would say, to be honest, I expect if you found oil outside your bedroom window, you would be down there with a pickaxe yourself. No, and I think it is it is a very, uh, you know, environmentally unfriendly industry. It's an industry that's on the way out. I'd sooner put a wind farm outside my window than I would frack for oil or gas or whatever it is. If you bought the land deliberately to just rewild it, bit of land out in the West and, you know, put some wolves on it and some deer and let it be, you're technically using it for the reason that you bought it i mean that's an incredible purpose and i think the argument as well the national park part of that is so that people can enjoy the beauty of you know ants and trees and animals that are native to ireland and see them flourish Uh, i think that's a fantastic um use of the land oh it is completely agree i would uh question how you know how many people who are get their land adversely possessed uh, actually intend to you know, have some sort of Garden of Eden on some, like, small strip of land between... At Clondalkin train station. Between, yeah, between Clondalkin train station and a public road. He trotted on every now and then with a couple of horses to graze, and... He was he was rearing the horses, I think, at one stage, but he couldn't... He had a stable or something. Yeah. What is it? The, the judgment said it was rough and ready, that the fencing that he put up, like, it's... Listen, the quality of his workmanship is not on trial here. He he <laughs> constructed structures to assert his claim to the land. If he did a shoddy job, he did a shoddy job. That's his concern. But that wasn't but any... constructed nonetheless. I know we haven't discussed a massive amount about what actually happened in the case that we are discussing because we're kind of focusing on the wider issue of adverse possession and property rights. But just before we get to that... But just before I tell you what did happen, I want to give you this example. If you own a piece of property in Ireland, you leave the country for a number of years, you don't keep a watchful eye over that property, and somebody else comes in and squats on the land and decides to use it, knowing that they have no title over that land. And then you come back home to realise that your land has been taken over by somebody else. Should you be held accountable for your absentee landlordism? Or... Are you entitled to leave land vacant and derelict? You know, there are parts of, of, of Ireland where the land isn't great and requires immense amount of work and graft, as I've said, to make it farmable. But there are beautiful stretches of fertile agricultural land in the Golden Vale. And to own a field in that part of the country and to not use it is a sin, in my opinion, an absolute sin. I think it should be, not only should it be taken off you, 
I'd be telling fellas to go back to wherever it was for the last 12 years and stay there. It's a crime against the Irish state, against against every fiber in a land loving body to do that to a good fine stretch of land. You've just written the plot for The Field 2. <laughs> the Field 2 Tokyo Drift. <laughs> <laughs> So after all this discussion about adverse possession, you might be disappointed to hear that Mr. Dunn from the case didn't actually succeed. Why? Because he didn't have exclusive possession for any 12-year period. He used the land on and off from the mid-70s to the mid-2000s, but there wasn't one 12-year stretch where it was only him using it. And there were other people using the land at some points. Irish Rail had put up fences on the land, caretakers had come to look at the land at certain points, and there were public pathways through the land that more people were using. So, unfortunate for Mr. Dunn. So that's it for episode 9 of Legally Fond. We hope you learnt a little bit about the law of adverse possession and, and property law. We can't wait for next week's episode. That's because Alex is going to be interviewing Irish Senator Ivana Bacic to talk about the latest piece of legislation that the government have enacted to deal with the COVID-19 crisis and whether that has any implications for constitutional rights in Ireland and how the powers given to the Gardaí will be enforced and will be used. That is Senator law professor and barrister Ivana Bacic talking to Legally Fond next episode. Thanks for listening and as always, if you enjoyed it, tell a friend.